I have a job. I have a boyfriend. And somehow, I still feel lost. Maybe you feel lost because you're holding yourself back. I would like to extend Glow's contract until the end of the year. It's stuck. What the f*** is happening now? God, I love opening nights. <laughs> Let's go ahead and open this night. Wait, did that work? I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Corn Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, man, I'm Brian Brushwood, and that, of course, was the preview for what? Season three of Glow? Is that right, Brian? Season Bryce? three, coming August Alrighty. 9th. I'd like to eight, believe that Netflix. they continue to expand like this alternate timeline where Glow is just as big as the WWE today. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great, because I think I think otherwise Glow has a pretty definitive end. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, we are very happy to have back on the show our special guest, Eck, from HockeyBuzz.com. Welcome back, Eck. How's it going? It is going phenomenal, Tom and Brian. I've been all over this great country of ours chasing that Stanley Cup that your St. Louis Blues took home. Man, uh, yeah, if anybody doesn't know, I have been a St. Louis Blues fan all my life. The St. Louis Blues are never supposed to win the Stanley Cup. They're only <laughs> supposed to go to the playoffs, and they won it this year, which is still kind of hard for all of us uh, who follow that team to believe. But we booked Eck on the show before they won. So yeah. now we're stuck. We must, you know, always have Eck on for the show <laughs> after the Stanley Cup. I'm, I'm game. I love it. I love it. It was I, such an incredible experience. And all my friends in St. Louis were the same way as you. They, they, you guys are all fatalists, like to the 19th degree. They would constantly say, oh, you know, yeah, we're winning out. But, you know, <laughs> it's going to come back to St. Louis and we're going to lose. Yeah. I would I would love yeah. to believe that booking Eck was uh, was a called shot. <laughs> like it was just like, all right, look, we all know how it's gonna end. Let's rub <laughs> it in his face. We all know how it's going to end. So let's have him on uh, to console me after they wait. What? No, they won. <laughs> just crazy. All right, man. But uh, Eck always is uh, good talking uh, cord cutting stuff with us as well, and we got some good stuff to talk about today. So let's get right to our primary target. Suzanne Collins announced a new novel in the Hunger Games universe coming out May 19th, 2020, set 64 years before the events of the first book. Don't worry, you're on Cord Killers, not Sword and Laser. You're going to get there. Collins said it will be set in the Reconstruction period, 10 years after the war, commonly referred to as the Dark Days. So this would be at the around the time of the 10th Hunger Games, because remember, Pan Am had the war against District 13, et cetera, et cetera. Lionsgate chairman Joe Drake said the studio communicated with Collins during the writing and looks forward to working closely with her on the movie. So more Hunger Games movies coming. Now, that's interesting enough. I'm sure we got thoughts on that. But I wanted to also point out that Variety had a headline today, Men in Black International Shaft add to summer sequel slump because men in black international did 28 million. That wasn't expected to do as, as well as the original men in black, but 28 million, even leading the box office is very small. Dark Phoenix also did not do well. Uh, is it time to, I mean, variety seems to be saying it's time to back off sequels and prequels and extended universe kind of stuff. Brian, what do you think? Well, the temptation, of course, is to let your fan brain take over and say like, yes, absolutely. Rehashing old crap. That's dumb. Uh, stop doing it. Um, but it's important. Anytime I start to lead with my heart, uh, I usually end up wrong and in trouble. So it's like I'm hesitant <laughs> to do that. But by the numbers, 
Look at what a surprise smash success Get Out and Us was and, mm-hmm. and investing in new storytellers. And the Blumhouse method of, of basically saying fixed budgets, keep it small, let people go nutty in whatever direction they want. They're buying a lot of wildly speculative scratch off lottery tickets. But, you know, you buy 100 of those, you could start to eventually start to rely on one of them being a breakout success. And uh, and of those breakout successes, some number of them are going to be talents like Jordan Peele who can keep churning out the hits. And so I, I, I think that we've seen a lot of blue chip thinking for a while. And I'm glad to see that finally inside the Hollywood machine, people are finally thinking maybe it's time to rethink that and get back to a more heterogeneous, uh, risky strategy of, I don't know, letting storytellers tell, tell stories and letting directors take chances. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I mean, I, this feels like to me that we're in to like compare it to the music world for a second. It feels as if we're only letting Blue Oyster cult and yes, make albums, you know, like that we're not going to let anybody else ever really like if I was a musician and I was trying to get my album sold, you know how these young filmmakers are going and he's like, oh, you don't have an Avenger, you know, you're not in, you know, I, I think it, it's, I'm happy to see this sort of ending because although the nostalgia does, of course, exist for all of us. I just recently saw Yes in Asia and Atlantic City and it was horrible. Just <laughs> absolutely horrible. Yeah, come I mean, at us, beyond, Asia. Like, I, First of all, never bring a woman to a prog rock show. That's a given. But <laughs> beyond that, um, this they were just terrible. And but what people loved about it, I mean, as a musician myself, they weren't playing together. They weren't. They apparently didn't know they were in the same band. But mm. you know, as a musician myself, what killed me was the audience loved the riffs, like you would love the riffs of a superhero going mm-hmm. through something. Like you would love. You, there, there's that sentimentality that's there. But at the same time, there was a little bit of like, a, okay, we could probably use something new. Yeah, I, I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe has shown you you can do something special with it if you yeah. if you put a lot of effort into it. And not everyone is going to be great, uh, but they have been able to keep this going much longer than I would have expected. But I think they're you know in many ways the exception that proves the rule. It's really difficult to do that, mm-hmm. and so then it goes back to what you were saying, Brian, which is. Uh, it's safe to make a prequel or a sequel because you know there's a built-in fan base that wants to see it anyway. I want to see Hunger Games uh, 64 years before Katniss. I'm curious. They're, 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 I'm that person who's always like, ooh, how did it start? What's the origin? Let me see that. Uh, but it is very difficult to make those compelling and stand alone, partly because you know that people are going to come and you already have a story that you can lean on, so you're not forced to tell those new stories. On the other hand... You don't know if Get Out is going to be Get Out or if it's going to be a $5 million thing that may be great and nobody sees. Like it's 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 just that safe bet versus taking a risk situation that companies, you know, if they took a risk every time, it's it's impossible to say whether they would continue to to make the money that they need to make to stay afloat. Is is it possible? And I I don't know if any of us are married to any employees of Rotten Tomatoes, but is it possible that the very institutions of uh, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes uh, are causing a? We're now feeling the seismic shift of what that effect has as far as game theory for creating movies, where. Because uh, it used to be, no matter how good or bad the movie was, if you spent enough money, you could pretty much force everybody to watch it, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's less valuable now, or or 
I think I, I'm going to say that's still pretty much true if you spend enough money. But the more efficient strategy is try to get that that rare unicorn gem of that 100% Rotten Tomatoes score, even if it's just for opening weekend before somebody ruins it, and then mm-hmm. and then bank on that and get that word of mouth out there. Do do you think that's what we're seeing right now? Could be, you know. I mean, that makes it makes a lot of sense, Brian. It really does. Like to me. You know, we almost need that, like the, the like artsy movie houses where the other where the good movies used to come out of and then they would make it big. But there's so few of those left that everybody has to play in the same theater. Again, like the music, we all have to play in the same big stadiums, you know, and that, and that would be difficult for a lot of, for, you know, and, and risky, like you're saying, Tom, for, for mm-hmm. the. But at the same time, you know, how do you ever find the next best thing if you're just relying on the on the old? I am married to someone who works for Rotten Tomatoes. I knew so it. Don't listen to anything I'm going to say now. I but, knew it. Uh, I think Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb are just the most visible and potentially the most influential emblems of the fact that we have way more information than we've ever had before we go to a movie. You know, in the in the 20s, you knew that Clark Gable was in the movie, right? So you went to see it. It happened one night. Sure, he's in it. Love it. Great. I'm going to go see it. That was about it. Then the movie critics came along, obviously, around that same time, and people started to find movie critics that maybe they trusted, maybe they didn't, and that had some influence. But we've never had this much information that we could find out from our friends, from people we follow, uh, advanced trailers, interviews with the, the stars to help us make this decision, and I think that has a huge effect on it. Yeah, so uh, I guess back to the original question: uh, Is it time for Hollywood to, you know, pull back? Man, it it it, it uh, it's worth noting that I believe, with the notable exception of Avengers Endgame, all of this summer has been a big old fat garbage fire of of <laughs> just of just uh, poor performance across the board, regardless Aladdin of how good. Did all right. Uh, wait, do, do you own Aladdin? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> Disclosure. <laughs> wonder why it came top of mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, look, everybody does all right internationally or whatever, but I mean, compared to what we have come to expect, uh, we've seen a lot of underperformers and, and not, uh, a lot of, of, uh, I don't know, breakouts. So I don't know. The fan of me says, yes, please more new stories. And in that regard, this is technically a new story where they're working directly with the author. To me, the important part about the uh, Suzanne Collins story is that much like Game of Thrones, they are working directly with the author on the movie parts Mm -hmm. at the time of development, which seemed to yield, for the most part, very good results for Game of Thrones until they got ahead of schedule. Uh, You know, it's it's interesting. In publishing, they they have the same issue, which is they just want authors to create series and keep writing in that series because they know they will work, whereas a brand new story... Uh, you know, that might be risky. People people might buy it because Chuck Wendig or Suzanne Collins wrote it, but they might not. Uh, so give us more in that. In that, So there's the same pressure there. Uh, but because it's the author, I feel like there's a little more trust that, well, you know your universe. You know your your system. And so we're a little less judgmental there. Well, and, um, and, well, and I think, too, you know, it, uh, oh, I, I, and look at the band situation. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, but look at the band situation, like a Taylor Swift, for example. OK, I know somebody who plays in her band and. You know, they she's she is so big, like she's like the Marvel Universe of, of musicians, sure. you know, and she but she is so big that she can make albums that are totally not like anything she's ever made before at the same time, because she just knows that whatever she makes is going to work. 
You know, so there's that element of things in movies that we're seeing as well, where you can just they can they can go as far off the rails as they want to with some of these Marvel movies because they are just going to work. Um, and that therefore, you know, and I think studios tend to think that that's the creative thing. Like, oh, we're being creative because we're doing it a different we're doing, you know, Super Spider-Man a different way um, instead of just trying to find a, something totally new, which I know is risky and, and difficult. But that's why you have creative people working there. They should be able that's their job, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's it, to tie the the knot on this. Uh, I think the thinking has always been, well, uh, we we have no sure way of knowing which ideas are good or not. We we have people whose guts we trust and people who don't. But by golly, we do know that a sequel has a built-in audience. And what we're <laughs> yeah. seeing now is, guess what? Sequel having a built-in audience doesn't mean as many dollars as it used to. That those audiences aren't always as big as they used to. Not every sequel or prequel or reboot is going to bring in uh, those guaranteed dollars like it used to. So now that's starting to look a little bit risky as well, which means maybe we'll just go back like we've all been saying to just finding good stories, whether they're prequels or sequels or, or original storylines. Uh, just just take some chances and show us some good stuff. Heck yeah, dude. I'll tell you what. One gritty reboot that everybody loved is a little thing called Cord Killers. It used to be another oh, show, yeah. and then they, then they, they much like some kind of dark phoenix, rose from the ashes. Wow. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, or, un, or sorry, One unlike a certain very, dark unlike, phoenix. Yeah, way, phoenix. Not like a dark phoenix, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, man, do us a favor. Head on over to patreon.com slash cordkillers. We are 100% viewer funded by you guys, listeners and viewers alike. Join the 1,341 other of your best friends that you have yet to meet at patreon.com slash cord killers. Keep ups in business, get your own RSS feed and early access to all the secret goodies, including our after talk segments. It's a, it's a buck. It's a I dollar. Will, we'll wait. We'll One wait. Dollar. Just pull to the side of the road. Stop running. You know what? I, all that Patreon. talking I did, I did it all wrong. Let's try it again. New ad goes like this. Hey, um, can we have a dollar, please? You can go to patreon.com slash cord killers and give it to us. Thanks. Time for how to watch. Uh, a couple things in here today. Samsung's U.S. support account tweeted that Samsung TV owners should run the built-in virus scanner every few weeks to prevent malicious software attacks on your TV. Uh, the tweet included an instructional video. It was all meant to raise awareness like, hey, all connected devices, devices could be susceptible to things, so make sure you keep safe. Many news outlets are running the story with the slant that this accidentally made the case of why you shouldn't buy a Samsung smart TV because people go, it gets viruses. Uh, our thoughts on smart TVs here have evolved over the years, to, to say the least. Uh, it seems like a good time to check in on how we feel about them. Oh, man, what a really good, what a really good litmus test because I'm very conflicted. On the one hand, I've traditionally been the loudest banger of the just dumb monitors drum, but I got to admit it's awfully convenient that all the televisions that my kids use have a Roku built in. Mm -hmm. And certainly if I had a Roku and if Roku said, Hey, make sure to go to, you know, just click on this maintenance thing and make sure there's no viruses on your Roku. Wouldn't even hesitate about it. So I think to be consistent, I have to say that, Samsung did a noble and right thing in this case. It feels weird to say. 
I, I, I'm actually, I'm, I, I think the worst thing they did was delete that tweet. That tweet was important. And the fact that The Verge and others were kind of snarkily uh, pointing out that the, maybe it had uh, not the, the greatest reception amongst people shouldn't have stopped them from admitting that every connected device could be susceptible to this. If anything, Samsung should make it so you don't have to run it yourself. They should just make a, a setting that says auto scan and fix things every so often. Yeah, I guess I'm surprised that they wouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. that, that that's the weird part to me. But I guess, you know, you do have some kind of point of entry, whether it's like a memory stick or something to look at photos or whatever. Like, like you have an injection vector. So then- and, that and if they're connected TVs, they're on the web. Right. But, you know, but, you know, like I've like so my in-laws I spend a lot of time with. Um, those are the kind of people that would read this article and be like and be like, never will never will never buy a smart TV again. Like the, there are definitely people out there that will that'll react. They're right to be a little bit worried about the way this is perceived, I think. I mean, the last two TVs I bought had fire sticks inside them, you know, like with, with fire sticks built inside, which I thought were amazing, you know, um, and I tried to convince them on it. And they they're already a little bit nervous. They've, they have heard the thing. Well, Samsung, they can't they watch me? And I'm like, you don't have a camera on your television. You know, like that's not going to happen. You're OK. But, you know, there are there's a big swatch of the country out there that this does concern them. Yeah. It, uh, and, and do they read Twitter, though? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they don't. But they'll. But this this will this will find its way. Like this. Kind yeah, of I suppose so. I mean, I, the, really, the thing is to just have uh, security software running, uh, right. and and give give folks like us a chance to turn it off if for some reason we want to. Right. Uh, but just have it running for most people. Yeah, I, I, that seems totally reasonable. You know, just bake yeah. it into the uh, to the price. But but then again, I don't know. I don't know how competitive the uh, the television market is on price. I guess pretty competitive. Well, folks, uh, Comcast, right? Am I right? Comcast. Oh, my gosh. Comcast. Well, what are they doing now? Comcast is adding eye tracking to its X1 cable box platform as an accessibility feature. It'll let customers change channels, pull up the program guide, set DVR recordings, and navigate through other menus using only their eyes. Comcast will support multiple eye tracking hardware and software products, including Toby devices and even sip and puff switches, uh, which a lot of wheelchair users use, as well as other assistive technologies. So you won't have to buy extra equipment to take advantage of it. Customers just sign into Comcast's web-based remote control and link it to their cable account. Brian, Comcast helping people with assistive devices use their platform. Are you, are you trying to bait me into painting? <laughs> The, the darkest no, interpretation just, of this story. I'm, I'm actually kind of uh, miming through my actual reaction to this. Like, what's Comcast doing now? Trying to get people on their X1. Oh, they're saying it's accessibility, but they're also letting people use whatever device they actually, this is pretty reasonable and, and a good, good thing. If, if I'm, if I'm going to, uh, first of all, all the accessibility stuff. Yes. A hundred percent. And, and, uh, but this is me spinning my darkest, interpretation of this that i can okay we, we we talked on this program before about if netflix were free but only while a webcam was watching you to watch it would you accept that deal and 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 you know personally i'd be like uh, no i'd rather pay and know that they're not tracking all the micro expressions on my face if this was purely a play for uh accessibility then it seems like they would say hey if you need any of this, you can have it. But 
if they're rolling it out to everybody as and and trying to tout it as a convenience option, mm-hmm. it seems to me that the only way you would do that would be to add some language to the usage license agreement that says, by the way, we may, we do have permission to track your face while you watch programs because that's how this this awesome new feature that will make it super convenient so you don't even have to move a finger in order to change channels right. to blah, blah, blah. And once you have that verbiage in the agreement, then guess what you get to do? You get to grab all that data and use it, that sweet, sweet, valuable data on the world's large just test audience and and uh i don't trust comcast enough to give them a blanket pass that this isn't part of their decision to roll this out to everybody instead of making a big deal about how hey if you need this it's free to you hey it's a good it was a good attempt it's a very good attempt uh they it's useless (laughs) to you if you don't have a device that takes advantage of it it's merely an accessibility option because this is not new hardware Comcast is making. But this no. is a website you that uses give that to existing. Like, you, you make it like, okay, if you're Comcast, like I want to say that they're kind. They're the, and if they're doing something that's supposed to be kind to people, they should do it without promoting it like this. Like, I, like, wait, like without letting people know that it exists, having the Verge report on it, and then me pass it along? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't I don't mind them them getting the word out and and yeah. I don't mind them patting themselves on the backs that, that's not the part not, that, I don't even know that they're patting themselves on the back here I mean all right so this okay I might have misunderstood this then a little bit but I understand what you're saying if they are patting themselves on their back but then I'd have an issue with it but it could be the kind of thing that's it it is wonderful that it exists obviously if you need it it's wonderful that it exists it should not be for everyone it should be something that's very specific I know? mean it's like an API they basically said the platform now will accept connections from these devices and support them so that you can use them okay well there you go so this is the television watching you for my grandparents at least you know like that that would be them they if would you worry don't about have this device it doesn't do anything right but they that that's very hard to explain like to, to people I I understand that <laughs> but I think I, I can see my I can see myself explaining this again to my in-laws and being like it's not watching you. All take right. I t- take it back. Hold on. Uh, there is a Comcast video called Meet Jimmy. See how our technology is enabling him to be more de- independent. That, that feels a little back patty. All right. Yes. Uh, that, I, they, I don't think they're a company that thinks they need to back. Yeah, they probably do. Man, they are. Uh, I, I will be really interested about what that does to the uh, to the agreement stuff, because, uh, you know, we've we've seen. Hmm. Stuff. Uh, if there's some language in there that gets added, that's saying, "Hey, we get to take it. We get to watch you watch us." Then uh, seems like that would be extraordinarily valuable to another arm of the same company, and it seems like that would be very difficult to resist taking advantage of from from, okay, from a data perspective. We, we don't know that that is what they're going to do. Uh, in the meantime, it if they were going to help people who use sip and puff and eye tracking because they're paralyzed and want to be able to use the devices that they use for other things with their Comcast box. This is what Comcast would have to do if they were the most golden hearted people in the world. Correct. Uh, correct. Look, Tom, I, 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 I warned you that I was going to try to be the scorpion in this scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> I knew that when I put you on my back and started swimming across the river. You dragged me right in, Brian. I'm, I'm with you. I'm <laughs> yeah, corrupting the golden hearts of the world. One person and at I'm an time. optimist, so I, you got me. I don't know. Oh, here's, here's what I would like. Uh, Cordkillers at gmail.com. Anybody who uses these accessibility devices 
If you're like, no, Brian's right. I would never trust Comcast. I don't care. Or mm, honestly, this is actually pretty good for us. Let us know. Cordkillers at gmail.com. Heck yeah. All right. Let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance. The latest episode of Netflix's Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj is called Why Your Internet Sucks. And it looks at the problem with broadband speeds and coverage in the United States, acknowledging that the people most affected by the problem might be the least likely to see the episode because they don't have the broadband connection needed to stream to Netflix. The company is putting it out on DVD. I'm making this episode available through the Netflix DVD by mail service. And they're also putting the whole episode on YouTube. That's that's a, a fine marketing gimmick. Uh, it I, is. I, it is right. No, this is a clever marketing gimmick. I'm with you now, Brian. Uh, no, I'm going to be the optimist. I thought that was a beautiful thing to do. I, I watched the show, and uh, it's the first time actually I've ever seen the Patriot Act. Honestly, I watched it because it was on. It was in the notes for the show, and I thought he did a great job. I thought he did a great job explaining it, and I got all I got like all sentimental because you know, if the internet wasn't available to me, or like probably all three all three of us. You know what would we be doing right now? We'd you know, be doing so, this, right? Right, and that, that that's an amazing thing. It's you know we all were raised in schools in a school system that couldn't teach us what we were going to eventually have to do. You know, so it's fascinating to me that we that you know I think that does need to be available to everybody. Doesn't Netflix put their shows on DVD, and wouldn't they then make those shows available on their Netflix DVD by mail service? This does list it as Volume Three, which is. How uh, you would list huh. a non-season show? I mean, maybe they did it yeah. faster. Yeah, right. Maybe they sped it up. Yeah, might not usually. That's a good question. Uh, do you think there's a single Netflix original that is not available on DVD? Is is it is it possible that this is a total non-story that was cooked <laughs> up by 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 very smart PR people? Uh, okay, so yeah, we're, we're seeing that there's no. Uh, Black Mirror. There's no Orange is the New Black. Well, you got to give it a second to load. So Orange oh, is the Black. Oh yeah, is no. The oh, there, there is Orange is the New Black. Uh, I'm sure it's House weird of... the Black Mirror wouldn't be there because it does exist on DVD. There's no yeah. question about that. It does. Huh. Yeah. Um, I the I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they put this episode on DVD much quicker than they would have otherwise. Right. I mean, Usually if you're going to shine DVDs a spotlight on it. Until, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it was a beautiful episode, like in terms of, you know, the telling of, of the mm -hmm. idea of that we need, you know, broadband in places with people of lower incomes, you know, they, that that can help them get out of there. And I and with, uh, they can take better classes. They can learn things. They can find a way out, you know, and, and I thought that that part of it, which is obvious to a lot of people. But when it comes on Netflix, it's hitting a little more mainstream, not like the not like those of us who watch tech shows all the time and understand all this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, so it hit a little more mainstream, which I thought was a beautiful thing. All right, Amazon's Dark Tower series has cast our friend. May, may I call him our friend? Yeah, Brian? dude, and By Justin Robert Young's self-appointed father. <laughs> yeah, Michael Rooker has been cast in the Amazon Dark Tower series alongside Sam Strike, who is uh, supposed to be playing Roland, and Jasper Pakonan as the man in black. Uh, Deadline says the series will likely focus on Roland's origin stories, so pulling from Wizard and Glass, obviously, but maybe some of the short stories, too, uh, which... There's no definitive uh, knowledge of what Rooker is playing, but it could be something like Eldred Jonas, maybe. Uh, yeah, or um, you know, as I understand it, uh, I'm going to speak Dark Tower ease. Um, mm -hmm. it, uh, given that they're beginning at the beginning, uh, 
his encounter with Elder Jonas happens after a certain important trial is finished and mm. and later on down the road. And it seems to me like the first season, if we're going chronologically, would be about the events leading up to a certain tower. So if I was going to bet any character, I would bet Court. I would bet that he'll be the uh, oh, the yeah. one who educates the the young crop of uh, would-be gunslingers in in the arts of combat. Oh, and that would be a very Yondu-ish kind of character in a way, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, all he does yeah. is beat children. He sits, he, yeah. he, he clouts them across the ear and tells them, shut With up, maggot. With a heart of gold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. No, I, I, to be honest, I, I was really surprised to even hear the speculation about Jonas because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it's a perfect fit for court. And, court. and that's a fine yeah. first season story. If it's just about a crop of would be gunslingers, one of them makes it first. Yeah. Well, it depends on where they start it, uh, for sure. Uh, Eck, are you into the Dark Tower verse? I have to say I'm not. Okay. So can't really comment on this one. Will this pull you in, maybe? Michael Rooker, Amazon Prime Video? Absolutely. I mean, it's got a chance, for sure. I mean, I'm always looking for new shows, so I'll definitely check it out at this point. Pluto TV has added a Doctor Who classic channel. It has about 200 episodes from the first seven Doctors. Not all of the episodes are there. you got to get BritBox for that. Uh, there's also a new Antiques Roadshow channel with more than 300 episodes. Uh, other BBC shows showing up on Pluto TV include Being Erica, Bedlam, Primeval, and Robin Hood. It's all part of a uh, partnership between the BBC and Pluto TV. Is there a... I, I, I could I, tip of my mind. Maybe one of the viewers can hit us up at cordkillers at gmail.com. Uh, I thought there was when I was thinking of the Doctor Who stuff, I was thinking about uh, there was some website that basically just plays television from certain time zones. So you could just time travel back to 1977 and switch between channels. And I believe it used like a YouTube API so that it was as though you had time traveled back there and you're just watching everything live complete with commercials. Very um, cool. It's true. Yeah. If anyone remembers what that is, let me know. Yeah. Um, that the show Being Erica is the funny. Last time I was on this show, I talked about it as one of the shows I was watching at the time. So it's really it's a really great show. It's done out of Canada and it's 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 phenomenal. It's about time travel. Nice. Well, I wonder if that service you're talking about, Brian, got uh you know, put down. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. But, sued, uh, but I, uh, sued or threatened to be sued out of existence because I love that idea. And if Pluto TV gets enough of these deals that it could do something like that, it'd be amazing. Right. Uh, all, all of a sudden, that back catalog of like old VHS uh, advertisements, you know, kind of the abandoned wear of, of, of you know, copy. I, I guess each individual. There's so many defunct companies now that yeah. there's got to be a giant treasure trove of timely commercials that that nobody owns anymore but the problem is if the company's defunct and you cannot prove ownership you can still get in trouble Ugh, that's a bummer <laughs> yeah uh finally amazon will release a movie it acquired at sundance called the report with adam driver it's coming to theaters september 27th the significant thing is it will stream just a couple weeks later on october 11th uh that's only two weeks which is unusual amazon usually plays by the 90-day rule do, do you think that's an indication of a good movie or a, or a less good movie that they would break that? I think it's probably less about the quality of the movie. I, if I had to guess, it would be about the idea that it's not going to get on as many screens anyway. And so they're just like, you know what, uh, let's let's do the math and maximize like, OK, if we lose this many big theater screens, uh, but we get into streaming this early, it has this effect. And so, yeah, it doesn't really lose us anything. 
And what about this thought? You know, by doing this, they're giving, they're experimenting with it. You know, so they're giving a chance. And it's 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 an obscure enough movie with a relatively famous, you know, geeky, mm-hmm. uh, well, a very famous geeky actor in it. So it has the ability to to uh, draw some people in, and then possibly when they're trying to get movies into a theaters in the future, they could use this as a threat. You know what I mean? Like they say, well, if you're not, if we're not going to get movies in theaters, we're just going to like we're just going to pull it, put it on, we're going to stream it anyway. Well, and that's what Netflix has done, right? Yeah. And Amazon has usually taken the good cop attitude to Netflix's bad cop. Uh, but with with the Academy deciding not to change things up, it looks like Amazon is like, well, it's safe. I mean, we want to get some awards for the report, so uh, it will still will still be up for the Oscar, no problem. Let's try yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, a few other collected notes. Netflix has picked up an eight-episode second season of Russian Doll. Don Cheadle has been cast in a uh, drama called Don't Look Deeper. It's a sci-fi drama coming to Quibi when it launches next year, telling the story of a teenager in Merced, California, who believes she's not human. Netflix is in production on a UK-Spanish crime drama called White Lines about the discovery of the body of a legendary Manchester DJ 20 years after he disappeared in Ibiza. And NBC announced September 26th is the final season premiere of The Good Place. So I have really complicated feelings about a second season of Russian Doll. Uh, Bryce, what did your heart say when you saw that news? I could be i could be won over by a second season i mean like i also don't know that you do the same season i think you would be better off doing an anthology style oh oh that's interesting i just assumed that they would figure out a way to get the same team in there Hmm. well it is going to be the same actors actors and producers yep yeah uh i don't know it would it would be interesting to see i feel like the thing about Russian Doll is they didn't give all... It feels like they didn't explore all of the space and the ideas around it. You know, the, it sort of ends on sort of a, a metaphorical, a symbolic ending. So I could be I could be convinced to, to watch more fleshing out of that world. Yeah, I guess the, the thing that I was feeling was... Um, uh, one of the things I really admired is how they tied everything up by the end of that season. And it was done, done, done and didn't leave any opening for anything else. Uh, but in having done so, they did so, so well that I think they earned enough credit with me that if they're going to come back and bring it, then I, I, I mean, I'll definitely tune in, but, but I'm just afraid it's like, Oh my God, this is the fifth time that I'm living the same day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, would she live another day? Different day? Happens all over again? No yeah. friend? It was happening to a friend and she tries to help him out. This happened to me once. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on, something we watched recently that we loved. Uh, starting with you, Eck. All right. So you guys mentioned Pluto TV and, and, um, my son has been like dealing with something for the last year or so, and, and he's doing a lot better now, but I've been home with him a lot and he's gotten to completely into riff tracks, which of course is the mystery science theater, modern mystery. Science. And they're still doing shows. They're still doing two or so a week. And uh, we became support. We became you know sponsors. We support them and stuff like that. And, uh, and Pluto has a riff tracks and a mystery science theater channel has one of each. And, uh, and I think these guys are just phenomenal. I mean, I know it, it's, there's something relaxing. To, maybe it's my youth or something, but it's just something relaxing about it to me. Like just to watch a really old bad movie with these guys talking to me. I, they just takes me back to when I was, you know, 
12 and no one liked me, you know, like <laughs> it's just really, it's just really a good feeling. You know, they, they were essentially tapping into what made Twitch TV such a success uh, decades before it happened. Right. Tw Twitch TV is the experience of sitting on a couch while your friend plays a video game. And, and they brought the experience of sitting on a couch with your, your cleverest, funniest friends, you know, mocking whatever it is you're watching. It's just it's just so well done. And, you know, I've always wanted to do one where you're watching hockey with like old hockey stars, you know, the same kind of thing, like the same kind of legend, legendary thing. So I've been watching that a bit, um, quite a bit. I also got into Sports Night, which is the which was written by the, you know, the West Wing writer um, bef before West Wing. I, I, I can't think of his name, you know, the famous guy, famous writer from West Wing. Uh, the the so. Walk a Talk special. Uh, uh, what's his name? <laughs> I know, I know who you're talking about. That dude who writes uh, over great writer. He's an excellent writer. He did the Aaron newsroom, Sorkin. and I hated that. Thank you, thank you. All right. Aaron, Aaron Sorkin, Sorkin before there. West Wing, did a show called Sports Night, Aaron Sorkin, which is yeah. available on Amazon, and it's really good. It's about a, it's about like an ESPN Sports Center type show. Um, it has one of the women who just got indicted in the in the college scandal. <laughs> she's she's one of them. Uh, she's one of the top people on it. Um, but um, but but this was done a long time ago, and it's just very entertaining. It's really really worth watching. And then, uh, and then the final thing I would say was I saw a movie called Before We Go, which is Chris Evans' directorial, and he wrote, from what I understand, this movie as well. Hmm. Um, and it's it's like a it's like a it was done in 2014, so was you know he's already sort of Captain America, and he was already, you know, and he's phenomenal. And this movie is a phenomenally paced, incredibly beautiful film. And I just I was I was we were both my wife and I were in tears at the end of this movie. It's just it's a great love story about two people basically finding each other, both kind of trapped in New York for the night. And it's an incredibly well done thing. It's it's if you like that, you know, things called before we go and it's it's on it's on Amazon or um, I think Apple TV as well. But uh, it's really, really solid. Awesome. Brian, what about you? Uh, man, I watched so much TV. I got this recommendation last week. Somebody told me that a 60-plus-year-old movie was worth watching. So me and my 11-year-old daughter watched 12 Angry Men. Hot damn, does that movie stand up? It's really, really good. Uh, also, I watched uh, all three of the Black Mirrors. I watched The Office, of course. Uh, watched the first episode of episode one of Chernobyl. Uh, I finished Good Omens. We'll talk about that later. And uh, damned if I didn't really give a try to like the first episode of season two of Cobra Kai. And it was it's really hard when you love a first season so much. And then the first episode of the second season just tries very hard to convince you that none of that counted and nobody's progressed and let's reset all our characters and let's undo the progress we made last season. That's a real bummer. Uh, I, I, I hopefully will get around to watching more. I don't know if it gets better. Uh, well, I, I'm, I want to mention the Stanley cup finals uh, <laughs> and, and not because I just want another chance to, to marvel at the fact that my St. Louis blues won it, but, but also the fact that I was able to watch the entire postseason of the NHL in a way, not only would I have never dreamed possible because the blues were in it, but I just would have never dreamed this possible as a hockey fan growing up. Mm. I watched on my phone at a bar. I watched on my phone in a movie theater before I saw <laughs> dark Phoenix, which if I had to do it over again, I would just go back outside and keep watching the hockey game on my phone. I watched at home on PlayStation view. I found that the PlayStation view feed would sometimes glitch. So I watched on the NBC sports app as an alternative, logging in with my PlayStation view credentials and found that stream to be very reliable. I watched on TVs at bars. I watched on my iPad outside in the backyard. Uh, it, 
I didn't have to modify my life in order to see the game. I could always bring the game with me. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I, I think it's just a good chance to kind of step back and reset and look at just how crazy it is that, that we can do, we can bring our television with it, whatever, whether it's sports news and Netflix, uh, whatever, uh, the, the, the cords that bound us are going away. And it's a, such a good point because, you know, we've talked when I was on the court, when I was on your show way back when we were talking about sports was like the last thing that cord killers couldn't figure out. Remember, that was like the big thing, like sports, live sports. What are you going to do? How are you going to figure that out? You know, and you're so right. I mean, it's so crazy convenient. I mean, with the press boxes in these games. So in Boston, there's a huge press box. So there aren't televisions. So I couldn't see instant replays of things all the time. Um, on like you would expect to and, and you're in the media you've got to sort of write about what just happened but you know but I, so I'd have my phone up I'd pull it up and I'd be watching you know which would be you know about 20 seconds behind the actual real true to life live event event occurring in front of me but I could see it you know I could and I had, there was no question it's such a it's such an outstanding point and I, I think the NHL has done a really good job their streaming qualities are, are really solid and okay. they also the other thing that was nice too is after the game you know, before you you had to sort of you were sort of stuck watching what you wanted to watch. And if you went to NHL.com, they had you could watch all different kinds of celebrations from different aspects of things. You could watch the ice on ice celebration, which I was involved with. And it's just it's really great, really, really, really um great job by the NHL, I have to admit. Yeah, I got up uh, Saturday morning, installed uh, the KSDK Channel 5 app and mm -hmm. uh, the CBS Channel 4 KMOV app and, and had two two views on the parade. Uh, and then we had to go uh, leave. And while my wife was busy doing something, I went to a cafe, sat on my phone, watched the parade through the Channel 2 or ch yeah, Channel 2 Fox uh, station in St. Louis on Twitter. Uh, Twitter was live streaming the parade. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I didn't even miss any of that. Kind you of never thing. saw the parades before. They were never available for you ever. I mean, you had no. to be there you, unless well, you were in the town. Where the blues never like, had a parade before. But yeah, even if they yeah, had. Yeah. <laughs> I can assure I you to, to being in towns that have had parades, you could not view them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and Drew Nielsen is uh, admonishing me for watching in a theater. I was only watching while the lights were up in the theater before the movie started. Once the movie started, I turned off my phone. I was not well, I'm worse than that. I was watching during Shazam. <laughs> 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 I took my kids to Shazam and I was just, just couldn't take it. And I ended up watching during Shazam at one point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. All right, Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, we got a letter into the email email box from Mike. Mike writes, uh, I want to write about Technotis, Edit, and I. It's an indie animation produced by a very small team in Serbia working at home for over five years. It's available on Amazon, free on Prime. I bought it at $10 to support the creators. A very futuristic science fiction uh, film dealing with AI and human minds connected to the internet from uh, Mike Keeper. Yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. I only got to watch about uh, 20 or 30 minutes today uh, about this, but this is a, it's a really interesting thing. It's a mix of 2D and 3D animation. Uh, it's about a young woman, Edit, who is a psychology student uh, who goes to, she's taking this university exam and she's failed it over and over and ends up installing this uh, military chip uh, in, her, in her head to help her pass the exam. Um, but then uh, the the chip gives her extraordinary powers, and so uh, it's also based on a, a comic book of the same name, Technotis. Uh, but apparently, the plot is a little different. This uh, movie, Technotis, T E C H N O T I S E, Edit and I, is streaming on Amazon Prime, Hoopla, Voodoo, and Tubi in the United States. Check out JustWatch.com for uh, your local mm -hmm. listing. 
Very cool. If you got something we should be on the lookout for, be sure to email us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Brian? Yo. Tell us something. Uh, hey, man, it's summertime. You know what happens during the summertime? Everybody gets out of school, and what do they do? They want to watch YouTube videos. So this is an important time for both the Modern Rogue channel and the uh, Scam Nation channel. Um, and it's it's time to bring up something that um, I, don't, I don't think I've talked about on this show before. Uh, I don't like to put people out, so I tend to do a lot of things myself. Uh, like, for example, when an episode comes out, I was like, well, I want to get the word out. This seems relevant to, let's say, for example, a, a subreddit, like learn useless talents or, or magic or whatever. So it's like I would just post it myself and then uh, and they kept knocking them down. They, they would start taking off like a rocket and then the mods would remove it. And they're like self-promotion. And I'm like, look, I get that you want me to go put on a dress and pretend to be the other Bugs Bunny. But like, why do that? And finally... The mods, one of the mods explained it in a way that I got it. They, they flatly said, your content is great. It is always welcome here. But if we are seen giving you a, a, a full pass, then we have no answer for every asshat with an Instagram account posting their own stuff there. And once they put it that way, once I realized that I was actively causing trouble for the mods of all my favorite subreddits, I, I realized... Well, I guess I'm done. I'm not going to post my own stuff anymore, which means if you want to support the show and you don't want to spend money, if you want to support us and, and help do stuff, um, I think most of our content is pretty great. And an awful lot of it tends to go viral and rocket when it shows up on Reddit. So at your own discretion, uh, 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 please be the one because I can't be that. I can't be the one to post it. Scam Nation so and they Modern know it's on good. YouTube. Uh, yes. Your stuff is, is phenomenal, Brian. Honestly, yeah. it's phenomenal. It's uh, like, and anyone, I mean, honestly, we all should, we all have to trumpet each other's causes because, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many time, how many episodes of various things you've been in. I've watched with my son over the last year, so it's awesome stuff. Oh, that's very kind of you. Uh, but, but, but it will, it will be up to our audience to share it with Reddit. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. None of you are at standing desks, right? You're all sitting down? Yes. Everybody's sitting down? Yes. Good? Everybody, so. Okay. Because I got some shocking news here. Okay. Okay. Good. Oh, good. Hold on. Let me, let me take a sip of water. Brace yourselves, folk. Yeah. The latest consumer satisfaction index is out, and cable didn't do very well. I, 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 I'm going to spare you. Imagine I just did a wild did a spit, spit take. take. Yeah. Should have done yeah. a spit take. I was a uh, Cable as a whole stayed at 62. It didn't go up. Didn't go down. As a comparison, the U.S. Postal Service got a 70. <laughs> Fixed line telephone service got a 71. And social media companies got a 72. Uh, when you break down subscription TV, uh, AT&T U-verse did the best at 69. Still not as good as the post office. Uh, it was down 1.4, actually, uh, followed by Verizon, Fios, Dish, and DirecTV. Uh, down near the end uh, were was Frontier. I, I, I'm surprised uh, social media companies are uh, so so far down as well. Oh yeah, because they ruined democracy. Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's why be a... they started to get the knock. Yeah. yeah, this is just Facebook essentially. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. 
Not so much Twitter. Yeah, well, yeah maybe. Probably, yeah. probably more people thinking of Facebook in this terms of this thing. Amazon is changing the name of its ad-supported IMDb, uh, IMDb free dive streaming service to IMDb TV. The much free easier con- to say. <laughs> Just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. <laughs> the free content section has tripled, uh, too, thanks to new deals with Warner Brothers, Sony Pictures Entertainment, MGM Studios. The service is also set to launch in Europe later this year. IMDb TV. It really does not roll off the tongue <laughs> is available <laughs> in the Prime Video app and on the Fire TV, quote, uh, uh, your apps and channels, end quote, row. I OK, I actually didn't realize this was available in Prime Video. I thought you had to go to the IMDb site to get it or or I don't know, the IMDb app. Uh, so that's odd. But OK, uh, good. Good for it. All better. Better name. Right. Is it free dive? Uh, yeah. Free free dive. uh uh, well, okay. Like, but you uh, could just say free dive. You wouldn't need to say IMDb TV. Correct. And also, mm, good point. Also, free, uh, free dive sounds silly because we haven't come to associate it with whatever it offers. Uh, just like Amazon sounded like a silly name until it sounded mm-hmm, like Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We have an uh, NHL H- trade to announce, Tom. I don't know if you care about. It. <laughs> is it who? <laughs> just having just because this is the big week for me, trade week uh, coming up, but um. Uh, yeah, so those those out there who are who are hockey fans, Jacob Truba has been traded from the Winnipeg Jets to the New York Rangers. So it's a pretty big deal because he's a defenseman that a lot of people were trying to get. So there you have it. Just, there you go. You it here, hockey just, news now. Court just put it right up on the website as you guys were talking because it just it just got a text from a source, so it's done. Yep. Yeah. Now you're gonna be on HockeyBuzz.com, folks. You see, he never stops. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, he's gonna keep nope. you up to date. <laughs> That's right. HD Home Run has a new Roku channel called HD Home Run OTA Live that can access an HD Home Run's live channels and view the guide. Uh, doesn't do any DVR stuff. But the company says it hopes to bring more features to the app, like support for the cable TV tuner that HD Home Run also has. You'll need to have your Roku hooked up to a device that can decode Dolby Digital or AC3 audio over HDMI, and then you're good to go. Right on. Uh, Variety sources say Viacom will launch a streaming service called BET Plus later this year with originals from Tyler Perry and Tracy Oliver's First Wives Club. Few details are known, but it will supposedly pull content from across Viacom channels, just not, uh, not just BET. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess Plus is now the new name for everything, right? Uh, you take your brand name and you add plus to the end for your streaming service. Yeah, and and it probably on the one hand that's massive amounts of brand dilution because you know once your brand means everything, it means nothing. But on the other hand, it, it give <laughs> if it if it gives you a general flavor for what you're in for, that's that's not the worst thing on the planet. Yeah, if you become a Patreon, you'll get Cord Killers Plus. <laughs> yeah, it's Cord Killers. Only we also talk about our lawns. <laughs> it's pretty much true. Uh, Hulu and FX will get the streaming and linear rights to Lionsgate theatrical films in 2020 and 2021. This replaces Lionsgate's deal with Epic. Films from Lionsgate's Summit subbrand continue to go to HBO. However, this new Hulu and FX deal and the HBO deal end at the same time, Ooh. making it possible for Lionsgate to eventually move all those films over to its own Lionsgate-owned stars. Man, deals. They take a long time. They do, and they confuse everyone. Well, and if you're like, why do they keep moving those movies around? This is why. Because they had a deal, and one deal was ending, and they're like, well, we don't want to move them to stars yet. Let's let's get some money out of Hulu and FX. And Disney's like, we got lots of money to pour into Hulu and FX. No problem. We'll totally do that. So there you go. 
The Hollywood Reporter has a story noting that Snapchat's uh, show Endless Summer started its second season June 15th. Last season had 28 million unique viewers. Over the last year, time spent watching shows on Snapchat every day more than tripled. Snapchat's shows are around uh, five minutes long and they're shot in vertical video. Snapchat says it reaches 90% of the 13 to 24-year-olds in the U.S. Can that be right, Tom? Snapchat, not the show, but Snapchat itself, apparently, yeah. I, I don't I, uh, that 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 seems astonishing because none of my 13 to 24 year olds have snapchat they are the 10 percent uh, well okay. yeah my 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 uh 17 year old daughter is, is all about snapchat yeah all about it yeah i i included this story uh not not because we really covered these kinds of shows it's not really cord cutting but because when we do we often say this isn't going to work like quibi right uh, right. Quibi's a little longer form than this, but here's an example of it working. I don't know that that means these kids grow up and continue to watch this kind of short form content or if it stays kind of age dependent, but it is working. I think as a Snapchat, as a, as a father of a Snapchatter, I think I think that it's just it's kind of like Instagram where they just sort of it is just a place where she just exists, you know, like that's that, that's where she's comfortable. And, and anything that comes up there, she's more comfortable watching it there. Yeah. Similar to if you you know, in the old days when we would watch Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley and then Three's mm -hmm. Company, whatever came on next, we would stay with it because that was our home. And that's really old. And it sounds really it's old. not a replacement for TV. It's an entirely new thing. That's where yeah. she is. Yeah. Yeah. That it's exactly it, that, that's her place. Mm -hmm. All right, folks, let's move to some dispatches from the front. On episode 270, we speculated reasons The Good Place might end after four seasons, and one reason uh, Brian put forward was the idea that the creator or producers might want an ending because they have other opportunities due to the show's success. Well, uh, Jesse, a.k.a. Hometown Rival, wants to point out that Michael Schur, the creator and executive producer of The Good Place, is also the creator and executive producer of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Parks and Rec. He was also co-executive producer of the American version of The Office and played Moe's on that show. On its face, the concept of The Good Place likely sounded crazy to NBC Network executives, and I venture it only got shot because of Schur's reputation for creating hits. Most of the other producers shared in Parks and Rec's success and collectively have many impressive credits, including Veep, Master of None, Lost, The Martian, 30 Rock, Seinfeld, Silicon Valley, and Broad City. That's not to say bigger opportunities aren't available. I just want to believe this was a team of creatives doing what's best to serve the story, and I have no doubt Shure and company will go on to make other amazing entertainment. 100% <laughs> agreed across the board. And and I also want to believe that 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 we could take that letter at exactly its face value, but I, I would be remiss if if we didn't inject the Explore possibility the that there was yeah. some other reason for everything. What what strikes me is that Jesse's describing that maybe the decline of other shows led them to be able to do The Good Place, right? Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. have been able to get The Good Place if they hadn't had the credibility uh, and the and and also the freedom from doing the office and the actors, right? right? The actors available from other failed shows too. That oh yeah, yeah. Is anybody else just blown away that Moe's from the, the office is this, this guy? That just blew my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, we, we got a number of letters about uh, we had a question about running a Plex server and whether or not to, you know, what the best solution with a network uh, attached storage unit would be. Uh, yes, we are. Uh, <laughs> some, a bunch of people were like, you guys were talking like a Plex server is a piece of hardware. No, we are aware that it is software that you run on hardware. Uh, Alan writes in saying, uh, hey, Brian and Tom, if you're storing your media on a NAS, some things to consider. Number 
Number one, if you run the Plex server directly on the NAS, the system on the NAS is often not powerful enough to run Plex smoothly, especially if we require format conversion. Also, the NAS probably doesn't have the latest version of Plex available. On the other hand, number two, if you plan to, if you run Plex on a separate computer, you then need to make sure that that computer is running as a, a server possibly on 24-7. Also, things will be smoother if the computer running Plex is connected to the NAS or over a wired network, not wireless. Uh, all of this fantastic advice to everybody who wrote in. Thank you guys uh, so very much. Yeah, John from Creamridge uh, pointed out the NVIDIA Shield box as an option if you don't want to get a NAS and run your own server off of that. It's designed to work as a Plex server and set-top box. He says, while I do not have personal experience with this, I do believe it's a good lower-cost option. I totally should have thought of the Shield box. That's a great one. Thank you. And thank you, Eck, uh, for joining us. Uh, I, we know you're busy. You're you're you've, you're like taking uh, trade tips in the middle <laughs> of, of the show. That, <laughs> so we super appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat oh. with us and not missing a beat, man. I've said it many times. You guys are inspirational to me, and um, I wouldn't be able to do this. I wouldn't have started being doing this if, I, if it wasn't for you guys and other other people out there, like you know, like the Casey McKinnons of the world and the people who I just grew up watching. I just, I really am just thrilled that I can do this. And um, the next week and is absolutely insane. The hockey draft is in Vancouver on Friday, um, so it doesn't stop for me until. And then July first, we sign free agents, and you know. July 1st last year is when the Blues traded for a lot of players that turned into their Stanley Cup. So that's a huge – so this next two weeks are probably my two busiest weeks of the year. So if you want to come by Hockey Buzz, we're, we're constantly on and uh, we're working as hard as we possibly can. And we also have a Patreon too um, at, at patreon.com slash hockey. So you can check that out as well. We appreciate it. Right on. Thank I, you I so can, much for joining us. I can us. say for, from experience that if you become uh, friends with Eck – uh, several years later, your favorite team will win the Stanley Cup. True exactly. fact, 100%. Guarantee. So get I Toronto mean, people, get it, get out there. Get Co-Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> Our website is CorkKillers.com. Our email address is CorkKillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash nightattack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you again next week. Hey, guys, Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh, my gosh. Because I've got a just name. supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors. Look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. There's names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cord killers and pledge $5 an episode to be one of these amazing people like this the one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>